freedom. On the count of three, I need everybody to yell freedom from the top of your lungs. One, two, three. Freedom! One, two, three. Freedom! Home of the free. Or la- home, geez, I can't even get. Land of the free and home of the. Land of the what? Give me liberty or give me freedom. What is it? I mean, honestly, what is it? What is it? We are home of the free because of the brave. Can anybody explain to me what freedom is? I mean, honestly. Can anybody explain freedom? What is it? Because we sing about it. We fight for it. We believe in it. Right? Freedom. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What did Jesus put first? Truth, then freedom. Truth, then freedom. What did Jesus set up as the virtue? Truth. The result of the virtue of truth is freedom. The problem is that we think we have to be free to find truth. And so we say, well, if we can rip off the chains of tyranny and if we could push back the oppression, then I'm free and I can go discover truth. And Jesus says, that's, that's not it at all. Truth is the virtue. Freedom is the result. And if we're ever going to be free from our addiction, or ever be free from the tyranny of our own minds, we have to first find truth. It's truth and freedom. But you know what's happened in our country? We've treated freedom like a virtue, and truth is the result. And we've gotten it all backwards, and we wonder why we can't find truth. Because we value freedom over truth. But if you take somebody who's found truth... I don't care if they're in a jail cell. I don't care if they're addicted. They will eventually find freedom. I can take freedom and wonder the rest of my life what truth is and never find it. So real freedom comes on the heels of truth. We have to first find truth. But we don't really believe truth comes first. You know how I know that? I hear this all the time. Well, i got to stop smoking. I need to be free from smoking, and then I can get baptized. I need to stop swearing so much, and then I can get baptized. I need to do this, and then I can do that. We don't really believe that truth comes first. Because if we really believe truth comes first, we said, you know what? I can't wait to jump in and declare my salvation in Jesus Christ. I can't wait to declare it because I know truth is on the I- or freedom's on the other end of that truth. But we don't really believe that truth comes first. We believe freedom comes first. Let me stop swearing. Let me get my life in order, and then I can get baptized. Jesus never said that. Never. He said, you get truth first, and then you can find freedom. Truth is greater than freedom. But we have, in our culture, treated freedom like the virtue and truth as the results. 
And I'm going to show you how that plays out here in a few minutes because what you're going to find is actually when you allow freedom to be the virtue and truth to be the result, you never find truth and you find a society that descends into chaos. So as we wrap up this hard-to-believe series, I couldn't think of a better thing to talk about than truth and freedom and how they relate to one another. You see, you can be a prisoner physically and still be free. You can be physically behind bars and still be free. You can be a slave and still be free. Let me give you a prime example. Yesterday I had the opportunity to go to jail. Not because of anything I did. Just want to clarify that so you don't think, man, my pastor got busted and got sent to jail yesterday. Right? You're like, what kind of church is this? And some of you that are here for the first time, you're like, I ain't coming back. That preacher, he went to jail. Right? I can't follow him. But I had the opportunity to go visit somebody yesterday. And we were talking, and I'm not going to shared their name just out of privacy, but I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with them. And they said, I have found more freedom in prison than I ever have on the outside. And they wrote this poem. They wrote this poem. I just want to read a few lines out of it. The title of the poem is In Prison But Not Imprisoned. And so let me just read a few lines from this prisoner. Free on the out, but in chains inside. An insane brain, a heart torn apart. All I wanted to escape, but didn't know where to start. Out and about, I was free physically, yet trapped in a prison you couldn't see mentally. How big is my skull? The size of my own cell. The few lines down. Forgiven of all my sins, no longer a slave. Something so simple, all it took was confession. Then Jesus came and he took my depression. No longer bound by the desires of the flesh, he smashed the chains holding me down and saved me from death. Like Jesus Christ my Savior, I have been risen. For though I'm in prison, I'm no longer imprisoned. Come on. Seriously. Right? And as we got to talking, he said, you wouldn't believe the revival that's happening in Madison County jails right now. He said, they had two guys... And all they did was fight, 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 get cuffed and, and isolation and all of this stuff. And he said, they're, on my, they're in my unit, they're on my floor. And he said, the guards didn't even want to go get them out of their cell because they would immediately attack the guards. He goes, they have since given their life to Christ. They're reading their Bible every night. And he said, every night before we go to bed, we have prayer meeting. All of us in our cells, looking out through the doors, talk to each other and pray for one another around the whole floor. He goes, we sing ourselves to sleep every night and sing about the love of Jesus going to sleep. But you'll never hear about that on the news. You'll never hear about that in the Herald Bulletin. You'll never hear about what Jesus is doing to those that are in prison and how he's freeing those that are in prison. Because physically, we think they're in prison. But mentally and emotionally and spiritually, they're free. They have church three nights a week. He's like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the changes that are happening to people in here. He goes, it's phenomenal. And so you can be prisoned and be free. You can be a slave and be free. Why? Because Jesus says if you have the truth, you're free. 
Truth brings freedom. Freedom doesn't bring truth. But what is freedom? What is it? Well, Isaiah Berlin, who was a Russian and British uh, social and political philosopher, he says there's actually two types of freedoms. And I tend to agree with him. He says there are two types of freedoms. There's a negative freedom and there's a positive freedom. There's negative freedom, which is freedom from interference constraint. It means to, he says that negative freedom is to throw off constraint and to get rid of the constraint. And the thing that's holding you back, you get rid of it. The tyranny of the British, get rid of it. Right? If you're British, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be offensive. All right? And then positive freedom is the freedom for excellence according to whatever vision and ideals that define that excellence. And so negative freedom is pushing off the tyranny and pushing off the oppression, and positive freedom is marching towards an ideal. There's two types of freedom. When we talk about freedom, what freedom are we talking about? We're talking about, yes, get rid of the tyranny. Get rid of the oppression. Get rid of everything that holds me back. If you're in junior high, you're like, yes, get rid of mom and dad so I can do whatever I want. Right? Or maybe if you're in high school, get rid of mom and dad so I can do whatever I want. So I can march towards what? Well, guess what? If you don't have an ideal that you're marching towards, but you get rid of the restraint, there's a problem. You see, when you get rid of the restraint, you have to march towards a common ideal. You have to. Negative freedom has to be paired with positive freedom. Positive freedom, positive freedom to march towards an ideal cannot exist without negative freedom. Now, can negative freedom exist without ideal freedom? Absolutely. Just get rid of the government, get rid of tyranny, get rid of whatever it is that you feel like holding you back. Just get rid of it. A belief system, a faith system, just get rid of it. But then where are you going? You see, you must have an ideal to march towards. You must have something that you're pushing towards. You must have something that you're pushing for. Let me give you a prime example of this. I, can't, I couldn't think of a better one than the American Revolution. Our founding fathers knew both types of freedom. I can get rid of the tyranny of the British, but then as a common ideal and as a common belief in something better, I have to take this group of people and I have to march them towards something. Right? And so what did they do? Well, they, they fought against the tyranny of the British and said, no taxation without representation, and you cannot do this to us. And then the ideal is that we're going to create a country out of these 13 colonies. We're going to create a country of our own. And this is how we're going to fashion it and form it, and we're going to press forward, and we're going to grow this country. There was negative freedom. I'm not going to be addicted to this tyranny anymore. I'm not going to be this. I'm going to be this. That's freedom as a whole. Negative freedom, positive freedom. Negative freedom fights to remove the restraints and interference so we can act in the best interest of the greater ideal. Positive freedom is the ideal that acts as a self-imposed, uh-oh, but I thought you said we were free, acts as a self-imposed restraint keeping us from abusing negative freedom. Negative freedom and positive freedom go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other. Right? 
Why? Well, Proverbs, King Solomon actually tells us. Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. King Solomon says, he says, when you don't have an ideal to go for, when you don't have something that you're striving for positively, and you cast off, if you don't have an ideal, right, you cast off the restraint. You cast off the restraint and you have no place to go. But he says, blessed is the one who heeds wisdom and strength. Blessed is the one who's looking for wisdom. Blessed is the one who's looking and pushing forward and marching on, right? When we remove the restraint and negative freedom has conquered the restraint, unless you have some place to go, you are now falling into autonomy. I can do what I want as long as I don't hurt anybody else. I'm free to do whatever I want. That's autonomy. Autonomy always leads to chaos in a culture. Individual autonomy leads to chaos. You see, as a country, as a whole, as a people, as a church, any group, any body of people must be moving towards an ideal, something that they're fighting for, something that they're believing in. If they're all believing on, in their own individuality and, and themselves, then chaos ensues. Because I'm going to do what I want, you do what you want, not, and everybody just do, does what they want, and it doesn't matter. That's not freedom, that's chaos. I love what Oz Guinness says, the only restraint that does not contradict freedom is self-restraint. The only restraint that does not contradict freedom is self-restraint. To restrain oneself. Think about that for a minute. Any other restraint to push towards an ideal means you're going to have to cast something off, except for the restraint of self. To pull back and go, no, 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 I can't say that, I can't do that, because I don't, I don't want to hurt someone. I don't want to go against what God has said is the way to go, right? You're always going to be a slave. You'll always serve something. You're always going to serve something. You will either serve yourself and your own ideals, or you will serve God's, or you will serve Satan's, or you will ser- We are designed to serve. The question is where, who, when, how, and why. Will we be serving? Right? Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, listen to what he says about truth. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hmm. Jesus said, He's what? I am the way. And then what are we talking about this morning? The truth. He says, I'm the truth. He says, I'm truth. I am the embodiment of truth. Truth is not an ideal. Truth is not a philosophy. Truth is not whatever you think it is. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I mean, come on. They had had Greek philosophers and Roman philosophers, and the emperor of Rome was considered a demigod, partially God. It was even inscribed on their coins. On one side of the coin was the emperor as a deity. On the other side of the coin was the emperor as a human, they had everything we have today, all the thoughts. So Jesus says, no, 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 the truth is not some philosophy. The truth is not some ideal. I am truth. And you're watching truth walk right in front of me, right in front of you, which tells me this. Truth 
is a person. It is not an ideal. It is not a philosophy. It is a person. Truth is an identity. And then the truth makes a statement like this in John 2, 18 through 19. Destroy me and I'll come back from the dead in three days. He says, go ahead, kill me, and I'll be back in three days. The truth says that. That's the gospel, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is unique among all other religions. It is unique among all other non-religious offerings that you may have. That truth is an identity that came to this earth and said, I am going to die for you, and when humanity kills me, I'll be back. Now, what do you do with that? Well, if you're me, I say, okay, fine. You know what? You just, you just got a whole lot of credit in my book. You just got a whole lot of credit in my Anybody that, that can say, I'm going to die, and then I'm gonna be, I'll be back and then does it on their own power. As we talked about at the beginning of this series, we know that it wasn't some conspiracy, that it actually happened. You tend to, you tend to lend credit to that individual. So when that individual then says, no, 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 I am truth. I am the embodiment of truth. The message of freedom is not rooted in ideologies or ideas, but in identity, Jesus' identity. So when your identity begins to align with Jesus, when your identity is found in Jesus Christ, you then have encountered truth. And that truth, when it begins to play out in your life, begins to set you free from things in your life. It begins to set you free from methods of thinking that you think. (laughs) Right? It begins to set you free from addictions. It begins to set you free from worrying about what other people think. It begins to set you free from being found out. Oh no, what if they found out? I don't care if you find out. I'm real. This is who I am. It sets you free from stuff. It sets you free from your own pride, which is self-defeating. I mean, stop and think about that for a minute. When you identify with Jesus Christ and your identity is found in Jesus, freedom is the result. And Jesus shows up and he says, I am the truth. I am the embodiment of truth. And Jesus comes and he fights against the restraint of sin because he knows that we cannot fight it ourselves. And so as humanity, as as humans, we can't fight this thing of sin. Our will, our desires, the way I want it, we can't fight it. And so what does he do? He says, I'll fight it for you. You just find yourself in me and I will free you from the restraint. And so the negative freedom is Christ on the cross. Negative freedom, fighting the tyranny of sin. The positive freedom is the resurrection of Jesus. It says, now that I have come back to life, follow me. Put your identity in me. And so as a Christian, that's what we do. We fight the tyranny of sin. We accept what Jesus did. And then we march towards the ideal, finding our identity in him, finding truth in him, so that when the truth of Jesus Christ is introduced in our lives, we begin to break chains in our lives. 
right? That's exactly what happens. The negative freedom, the positive freedom at work in Jesus Christ. Romans, Paul writes to the church at Rome, and he says this, Romans 6, verses 6 and 11. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Jesus Christ. There's the negative freedom. I am dead to sin. I am dead to this thing that's holding me back. And now I'm alive in Christ, and I'm pushing towards my ideal. I'm pushing towards looking more and more like Jesus every day. That's why when I get up in the morning, I pick up my Bible before I pick up Facebook. I, I, I pray before I respond to somebody on Snapchat because I need to look more like Jesus than I do the rest of culture. And that is truth. And when you get that truth in you, it begins to free you. And then people go, what's wrong with you? Why are you so free? Because I've got truth. I've stopped trying to get freedom to get truth. I got truth and then I got freedom. That I stopped treating freedom like a virtue and started treating truth like virtue. So that when truth is my virtue, I become free and you wonder what's wrong with me. I'll tell you what's wrong with me. I don't look enough like Jesus yet. You want to come along for the ride? I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Look, that is exactly why Jesus came. He said, I am truth. I am truth in the flesh. You begin to follow me and you will become free of this stuff. Jesus' message was never one about self-preservation. It was always about self-sacrifice. Think about that. So then he calls us as a local church. He says, come. And what do we do? We try to self-preserve. I need to hear the message. I need to sit. I need to listen to the sermon. I can't go serve today in the church because I might miss the message. Jesus says, I never called you together for that. That's your own. That's your own inclination. I called you to serve. I called you to self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice doesn't look like sitting in the church hearing the message and going home and feeling good about myself. Self-sacrifice says, I am going to serve you. I'm going to greet. I'm going to work at the table. I'm going to come early and set up. I'm going to stay just a few minutes later and tear down. I'm going to go work in the children's area because I'm here to sacrifice me for you. And when you get a bunch of people sacrificing themselves for each other and for a greater ideal, in that church you find freedom. You want to be free, serve. It's just totally backwards because these are spiritual concepts, not physical world concepts. And what we are called to do is bring the spiritual world into the natural world. But as long as we keep acting by natural law, we'll never get the spiritual law into the physical world. The world will just keep looking at us like a club of people that get together to talk about religious stuff and motivate and cheer one another on. We're not called to do that. We're called to serve one another and in the serving and the self-sacrifice. And we begin to grow and we find freedom. And that cheers each other on, and then that cheers our neighbors on, and we serve and we love one another in the truth, which only replicates itself again in freedom, and then when you get free, you find more truth, and then begets freedom, which begets truth, and you just keep the cycle going. That's what Christ has called us to. We talk about freedom all the time, but what is it? And Jesus goes, I'm it. I'm truth in the flesh. You begin to identify with me, march towards me as an ideal and self-sacrifice and giving of yourself, you'll find freedom. 
But as long as you keep trying to get for yourself, you'll never find freedom. It kind of looks like this. Abdu Murray, in his book, Saving Truth, it's a tremendous book. I'd highly re- recommend it. In fact, it's some of what inspired this series. It's Saving Truth by Abdu Murray. He says this, talking about negative freedom, positive freedom. He says, if, if I can put it in a math equation, he says, freedom from restraint plus freedom for the greater good, which is your positive freedom, plus freedom from sin equals freedom indeed to be what we were meant to be. When I can push off the restraint, march towards an ideal, and know that I'm free from my sin, now I'm free to be whatever it is that God designed me to be. And I want to serve God and sacrifice my will and my ambitions and my desires for his. And when doing that, I find freedom. That's the truth. But we keep trying to get free from stuff and then hopefully find the truth. And Jesus says, no, 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 you got it all backwards. Get truth, then you get freedom. If we go, in closing, if we go back to William Wallace, right, the Braveheart speech. He was right. Our land can be taken. Our families can be taken. Our ability to move about freely can be taken. Everything that we are and everything that we possess can be taken. But if you're free in your heart and you're free in your mind, nobody can chain that up. Paul says, I've become a slave to Christ. Yes, I'm in chains. Yes, I'm in prison as I write this letter. Yes, I'm literally chained to a Roman officer who's trained to kill me. But I'm still free. How do you write stuff like that unless you know that you are free and whom the Son has set free is free indeed? That when you look at me, oh, it looks like I'm still chained to my addiction, but I'm free. The freedom's coming day by day. I'm still chained to this nasty job, but I'm finding joy in it because I'm finding Jesus in it, and so I'm finding freedom in it. When you push off the restraint and march towards an ideal that is Jesus Christ, free from sin, you are free to be whoever you want to be. You are now free to walk towards Christ. And in the words of the African-American spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I am free at last. You don't have to be African-American to believe in that, okay? I'm just going to put that out there. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I am free at last. And that song wasn't written about slavery. It was written about this being chained to sin. It got used during the Civil War for slavery, and Martin Luther King Jr. used it in his I've Got a Dream speech. If you look at what inspired Martin Luther King Jr., it wasn't racial equality. That was his ideal. That was his freedom. The truth was the gospel of Jesus Christ that all men are created equal. That's why he did what he did. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ that inspired him to say, no, 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 no. We're all equal. That's my freedom. But the truth is this. The question is, where do you find your truth? Do you find your truth 
in the gospel of Jesus Christ to see Jesus as truth and march towards Jesus? Or do you find your truth in some esoteric philosophy, ideology? Because what you'll find is that you only get chained to confusion. Think about that. Let's stand up this morning. This morning, I want you to leave here knowing that you're free. And so when we close in song this morning, here's what I want. If you need free from anything, maybe it's a thought pattern. Maybe it's just a bad job that wears you down and you need to find another job. Right? Or maybe you need to be free. Maybe the Bible says that in order to be free in Jesus, that you first must come and confess your sin and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. I don't have time today to confess all of my sins. I'm just going to simply say, God, forgive me of my sins, and I want to follow Jesus. And God, I'm sorry that I've confused freedom and truth. I want to first find the truth knowing that it will bring freedom. And you want to accept Jesus. I'm going to ask you to come down here this morning. I'm going to ask Aaron and Lori to come down here on this side. And I'm going to ask Lynn and Amy over on this side to just, um, if you would just pray for people as they come forward. As we close out in song, I want you to walk away from this place today knowing truth. Amen? I want you to know truth. Freedom will follow. You get the truth first. Let's sing. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open, cause when you call my name, I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious name, you called my name. Sing us out with all we've got. Let's sing this chorus. You call my name. Listen up. We're going to do this again. All right? Because I preached short today, so we're going to sing a little more. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that seriousness 
is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, not seriousness. So when we sing this, we need to be clapping, we need to be excited, because today you're going to come off that couch and yell at the Colts, but you can't yell for Jesus? Come on! Seriousness is not, seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit, joy is. Let's sing it. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, my chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing, now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future. My eyes are open, cause when you call my name, I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. All right. Hey, go be joy in somebody's life this week, all right? Love you guys. Have an amazing week.